Jesus' followers were traumatized by his death and not at all anticipating his resurrection. He had said, and the Old Testament had predicted that this would happen, but his followers missed it. On the Sunday after his crucifixion, the Lord began to gradually enlighten those shocked followers with evidence that they couldn't ignore. Jesus was alive, and the good news is that he's still alive today. This lesson is called Now comes the good part. I remember reading about a family that was watching a movie on the life of Christ, and one of the little children, a little girl, was taking it all in as Jesus walked up the hill to Calvary. Little tears rolled down her cheeks. She was silent as Jesus was taken down from the cross and then put into the tomb, and then after that she broke into a big smile and announced to her family, And now comes the good part. (laughs) Well, let me tell you, it, it certainly does. Today, we sail into Resurrection Sunday. All four Gospels give us different details, and it'll take all four accounts to give us the fullest picture of what's going to happen next. Matthew 28 Mark 16 and Luke 24 tell us that a a group of women get up early on Sunday morning and they head over to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus with spices. And this group includes Mary Magdalene, Mary, uh, the mother of James, and Salome, and other unnamed women as well. Now, as they hurry down the path, they haven't really thought about everything. Uh, Mark 16 and verse 3 tells us that they were you know, thinking out loud to each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And let me tell you, that's going to be a big problem, not to mention the Roman guards and the seal that's been put into place they evidently don't know about. But Matthew chapter 28 tells us how their problem, well, it was already solved. There had been an earthquake earlier that morning. Verse 2 tells us, There was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Well, this means that by the time the women arrived, the guards must have, you know, regained their consciousness, and they've they've fled the scene. This stone is no longer an obstacle. In fact, Luke and John refer to the stone being rolled up and away from the tomb. It's out of its trough. It's as if it's been picked up and thrown aside from the tomb like it it was a a little marble. And, beloved, this stone was, was rolled away not to let Jesus out, but to let everybody else in. Now, I think it's wonderful that during these days when Women weren't even allowed to testify in a court of law. God chooses them to be the first to testify of his son's resurrection. Now, maybe that's because they are courageous women. i got to tell you, at this point, uh, the the fellows are all hiding out. These these women are heading out. They're going to anoint his body. Well, as they arrive, it, it becomes immediately obvious that something unusual has happened. 
Now, John chapter 20 in verse 2 tells us that upon seeing the stone tossed away like it was, well, Mary Magdalene immediately runs back to tell the disciples. The other women venture inside the tomb, but Jesus isn't in there. However, somebody else is. Mark 16 and verse 5 describes an angel as a, as a young man inside that tomb. Matthew calls him an angel. And Luke tells us that there were two of them inside the tomb, robed in dazzling white apparel. Now, just one of the angels speaks. Here in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 5, the angel says, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. For he has risen, as he said, come, see the place where he lay. Now with that, the angels give these women an assignment. Verse 7, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. You can just imagine these women racing from the tomb to tell the news. Mark's gospel writes that they're gripped with trembling and astonishment. Mark 16, verse 8, their hearts are racing as well as their feet. They're running to tell the disciples this incredible news that Jesus is alive. By the way, beloved, we've been given that same assignment today to tell our world that Jesus is alive. I I feel like the church today shuffling around rather than racing ahead with this news. Well, now the Gospel of John inserts here that Mary Magdalene, who'd left the tomb without hearing the angel's message, she runs to Peter and John. She's already drawn her own conclusion. She says here in chapter 20 and and verse 2, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they've laid him. In other words, Jesus' body has been stolen by those Roman soldiers or, or maybe the Jewish leaders. Somebody's taken him away. Well, with that, Peter and John, well, they begin their own foot race to the tomb. John is younger, evidently faster, and he arrives first. Verse 5 says, And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Well, then Peter arrives. He's probably huffing and puffing. Verse 6, he brushes past John, and he goes right on inside, and then John follows him. Mary Magdalene was right. The body of Jesus is missing. But two things grab their attention. First, the grave clothes are lying there, the linen cloths that had been used by Nicodemus and Joseph to wrap around the body of Jesus. They're still there. Now, in these days, as the body was wrapped in strips of linen, the overlapping edges of the linen cloths would, well, they'd be coated with a gummy spice so that the linen would stick together. John's gospel gives us the details that this linen shroud was made of strips. Again, interlaced, we know, with 75 pounds of gummy spices. That's John chapter 19. So the end result would look a lot like, you know, those photographs you've probably seen of Egyptian mummies. Well, then, as we're told here, another cloth was used to cover the face and head. Well, after three days and three nights, the spices would have begun to harden. 
So when the disciples entered the tomb, they're struck immediately by these linen wrappings still in their folds. Listen, in other words, the linen wrappings are still in the form of the body they once wrapped around. Only now, well, they're slightly caved in because a body is gone. Listen, if you'd been in the tomb at the moment Jesus' body was raised from the dead, would you have seen Jesus stir and struggle to sit up and then, you know, unwrap those linen burial cloths? No. Had that been the case, these wrappings, they would have been torn and scattered everywhere inside that tomb. But these linen strips are still lying there, all connected, like a like an empty cocoon after a butterfly has flown away. Well, now back here in John chapter 20 and verse 1, we're told that Mary Magdalene came and, and she saw that the stone was moved. The Greek word for saw or to see was blepo. That's the typical verb for physical vision. She never really thought about what it meant for the stone to be tossed aside like a pebble. Peter walks into the tomb and verse 6 tells us he saw the linen cloths lying there. This Greek word is theoreo, which gives us our word theorize. In other words, Peter sees this scene. He's puzzled. He's trying to come up with a theory as to what happened. But when John enters the tomb, well, verse 8 says, he saw and believed. The Greek verb here to see in this case is horao, which means to see with discernment. In other words, John just immediately connects the dots. He has correctly discerned the meaning of these empty linen cloths. Now, to this day, people hear the news of this empty tomb, and, and let me tell you, most people don't want to think about what it means. Some people see it, and they try to create some theory about what happened, but others, like John, see it and understand what it means. So John is the first disciple to believe that Jesus is indeed alive. How about you? Like that little girl said to her family, now comes the good part. Oh yes, this is the best part. This is the heart of the gospel. Jesus is risen indeed. But with that, we have to stop. Until next time, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was Stephen Davy and a lesson called, Now Comes the Good Part. Stephen is the president of Wisdom International. Our ministry produces this daily lesson, as well as a second daily message called Wisdom for the Heart. I want you to know that time has almost run out for you to take advantage of a unique resource we have available for you. Think about the last few Christmas seasons. Did you struggle to keep your focus on Jesus during the Christmas season? Does the busyness of the holidays distract you from the true meaning of what you celebrate? Do you find yourself so distracted and so busy that focusing on Jesus was hard? We have a resource to help you. 
you can lead your family in an intentional Christ-honoring activity. It's called the Advent Event. It's a fun, easy, and enriching family activity to help focus attention on the birth of Jesus while discovering the big picture of God's plan throughout the entire Bible. Kids of all ages will enjoy the crafts, the stories, the sounds, and the motions that make up the Advent event. And best of all, it fits easily into your busy family schedule. It's important that you get your Advent event kit right away. It begins December 1. Your kit includes an activity for each day in December. It goes past Christmas all the way to December 31. If you're a parent or grandparent, you're going to want to be part of the Advent event. And if not, tell someone else about it. All the information you need is at wisdomonline.org forward slash Advent. Do that today, then join us back here again on this wisdom journey. 